good to see you again after being away for a little vacation, although it was good to see the Rocky Mountains too, I must confess that. Sort of a strange pairing of readings this morning, isn't it? You had that second reading, St. Paul writing to Timothy, speaking about how he's the foremost among sinners. I mean, he'd persecuted the church and had been shown great mercy. And then in the gospel, we have those three parables expressing how willingly, eagerly, God forgives, searches out those who are lost with the lost sheep, finds the sheep, brings it back, and heaven is joyful. And then the lost coin, it's found, you and I are found, and angels rejoice. And then the son, who rejected his father, was dead, has come life again, and there's the father seeking him out. And yet, in the first reading, what do we hear? God speaking with Moses, these people, they've been terrible to you and to me. Here's the deal. Let's wipe them out and start fresh. I think we can do better this second time. It's extraordinary, Perry. I think that parable of the prodigal son helps us to understand why that pairing is as it is. Drawing upon the ancient saints, Pope Benedict XVI provided profound insights into that beloved parable of the prodigal son. He said, as prominently as those two brothers figure in the parable, it could rightly be called the parable of the two brothers. And who are before him? Well, two groups of brothers. On the one hand, the tax collectors and the sinners, not pointing to you in particular. And then on the other hand, there were the scribes and the Pharisees. Two groups of brothers. So the son makes the request, and the father gives freedom. Now, the ancient saints understood the journey of the son into a far country, especially as an interior separation from the father's world, from God's world. It's the rupturing of relationship, it's the abandoning that which is authentically one's own. I'm really part of the household, I'm really a son, and I have rejected it. The son wants to live without any constraints, without any commandments, without any authority over him. He wants to live by himself and for himself. He wants absolute autonomy and unrestrained freedom of choice. And so he squanders his life, his inheritance, with the hopes of achieving this type of life. I mean, who of us can't identify with that? We thought by choosing whatever we wanted, it would make us happy, and we found, in fact, that that's not the case. We've been enslaved by something that we chose. Now, he spent the inheritance, which is financial, yes, but it's everything from the Father. It's virtue, formation, education. The Greek word there in the New Testament for property that the son squandered means essence. The son squandered his essence. His very self was lost. And so we see that all that the son had is gone. What promised joy ended in sorrow. Sorrow, slavery, separation from the Father, from God. And the separation is shown in his sons tending the swine. Pigs, as you know, are unclean animals for the Jews. So tending an unclean animal for a Jew is as far removed from God as is possible. No further alienation could be imagined. But notice it's right there in the depths of darkness and loss and depravity, disgust, 
that conversion begins to happen. The son comes to his senses. Better translated, he went into himself. He now understood that in living away from home, from his origin, he was living away from himself. He is a son, but he was living as a slave. Even the father's servants had it better than he did. The truth of his being, of his life, is wrapped up with his father, with God. The Pope wrote his change of heart, his conversion consists in his recognition of this, his realization that he has become alienated and wandered into truly alien lands. And his conversion consists in this and in his return to himself. What he finds in himself is a compass that's pointing back to the father, toward the true freedom of the son. Now, the son's speech indicates this inner pilgrimage he's making. He's being purified and returning home spiritually before he has physically. Then he meets his father. He meets God who is love and mercy and truth. Father is joyful because his son was in fact not just away but dead and is now alive again. And then the older son enters in. He's angry at his brother's return and his father's mercy and affection. Look, all these years I served you, not once did I disobey your orders, your commands. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. When he's angry, not just that his brother is back and that his father received him back, but he's angry that he's had to do the work of his father. He's had to stay in his father's house, and he seems to receive less than his brother did. In other words, the older brother has harbored resentment towards his father, as though working for his father for God is not a good in itself. And the older brother betrays that he would have preferred to live as his younger brother did, if he could have gotten away with this which is not all that different from us at times. We think, wouldn't it be better to be away from God's commandments, to be unrestrained by the Sunday obligation? The brothers really are two sides of the same coin. They both believe life would be better apart from their father. It could rightly be called the parable of the two brothers, but the Pope also said it could rightly be called the parable of the merciful father, he figures prominently. And here's the point of contact for us and you parents, most of whom know this well. He had experienced terrible pain from his own offspring. The prodigal son saying, give me my inheritance. Dad, let's play, let's pretend that you're dead. And you give me what would come to me after your death. And the other son saying, I wish I didn't have to be around you, that I could live away from you. The pain suggests something about God's eagerness, despite our alienation, the hostility to him, to show compassion and love. It's the same God in the gospel that's in that first reading, who's giving Moses an opportunity to join him in reaching out for those who have actually hurt him himself, as he does for us. For those who have wounded us, he's saying, expend your compassion, your mercy, for you too depend upon that very thing.